Hello, and welcome to Pianotech Radio Hour, the weekly bridge to the future of the Pianotech community. I'm David Anderson. And I'm Ethan Janney. And we're here to ask great questions, and then we'll shut up and listen to some of the authorities, experts, and most outstanding personalities in our little world of pianos. So, put on your best set of headphones, and let's get started. Carl Lieberman, Mark Steiger, Cugnillo. Is Phil Bondi there? What's that? Phil Bondi? No, Phil Bondi's here. He's, he's usually here, actually. What's I know. Who did a John Ross? Maybe somebody Nancy kidnapped Kevin, him. David. Don <laughs> somebody kidnapped him. Here. And Jerry Cohen. Yeah. yeah. Wow. A cohort. Yeah, yeah, we're good. So, um, thanks, we Chris. We only keep an hour. Second one over on the bottom. We'll kind of start yeah. jumping into it. Um, Let's do it. I think that the first thing that we can do is we can have Daniel jump in and read our read our sponsor message. Hey everyone, uh, just want to let you know that Piano Tech Radio Hour is being brought to you by the Piano Technicians Masterclasses, an online educational resource that offers you cutting edge instruction from piano industry masters without leaving your home. You can find out more at pianotechniciansmasterclass.com. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, I'll, I'll put a little introduction here for our wonderful guest today. We've got, uh, how do you say it, Zells? Actually, I don't know if I found that out. Oh, well, that's tricky. It's, it's a German name, and originally it's O with an umlaut. So in German, it's Zolls, but here we say Zolls. I'm going to say Thomas Zolls. I like uh, Zolls better. Thomas and his wife, Darcy, founded Pianoforte Chicago Incorporated and Pianoforte Foundation, NFP, in 2004. Having grown up in Switzerland and Vienna, he had worked for Ingpen and Williams in London, a classical artist agency, but then had a nearly 20-year career in banking. From being wow. a store with only four pianos, all of them Fazioli, Pianoforte has grown into the premier downtown Chicago showroom it is today. Pianoforte features the full line of Yamaha pianos, as well as a 100-seat venue, which we're looking at right now, yeah. and a recording studio that has become a focal point for small-scale yeah. listening and acoustic music recording and streaming. You can find out at Piano. ForteChicago.com, and then uh, David Graham, who is sitting to his left, is yes. uh, his learning as a piano technician began in a class taught by Robert Carbaugh at Moody. It continued when uh, the famous Virgil Smith said, "I think you can tune well enough to be my apprentice." Um, Next change of direction <laughs> came when he was asked, "Would you like to tune at Lyric Opera of Chicago?" That was 1982, and he is still there. He began a full-time position at Northern Illinois University in 1983 and continued until recently transitioning to part-time. In 2004, he began working with Pianoforte Chicago. That's why we got these two guys together on Fazioli and other high-end pianos alongside Thomas Zulz. <laughs> His current clientele is a mix of private clients and institutions. Welcome, fellows, after that lengthy introduction. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks. So Ethan, uh, today, uh, uh, hold, hold on one second, Ethan. You need to turn your volume up a little bit. Oh, meaning the the signal coming from me? That's exactly right. Okay, but is this better? Uh, it's loud enough. It's, it's loud yeah, enough. Okay. Yeah, it's good. We're good. Okay, cool. Uh, Thomas, David Anderson here. 
Um, so happy to have you. Been f uh, weirdly following your story uh, since 2004. As I told you, you were, you were, you were her. Described to me as this brilliant, quirky dude who has a little teeny store with four big, huge, massive possibilities. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this guy's got some guts somewhere. <laughs> and so here you are with the best line in, you know, commercially in the world, which is Yamaha. Do you also sell Bosendorfers? I don't. Uh, I'm, uh, it's, it's, it's because of my loyalty to uh, Paolo Fazioli. That's exactly right. I completely understand that. Um, so one of the few awesome, righteous, I would call them, golden rule living, attempting dealers that we all know and love. And he's made a success for himself in the big city and hooked up with one of the finest piano technicians that I've, I know about. Brother, I've heard your tuning for 30 years and I'm in awe. Um, Thank you. The, 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 the first article I ever read in a piano technician's journal was by Virgil Smith. He spoke to me as a tuner in a way that I, I would read other tuning and art, articles and my eyes would glaze over and I'd go, <laughs> that doesn't sound like anything I do. What the hell is all this? And Virgil just spoke directly to me. So simple. Yep. And I followed that line and developed a whole kind of even more precise method of tuning pianos orally that's, or only orally that's, I just am in love with. And it makes me happy every time I, I do the work. And a lot of that had to do with David, it's funny you say that about Virgil, because I remember going to Virgil Smith seminars. And uh, by the way, I'm not a technician, so I, I'm, I just love to listen uh, and learn. Uh, and uh, the way he spoke and the way I've seen you speak about tuning in your seminars, it, it's very alike to me. Oh, man. That's because he was despite all the yada yada and all the external stuff that people want to judge you by this or that or whatever, the bottom line was he was an insanely great piano tuner and then a technician as well, but in this case, tuning. And tuning is, you listen to all of the Asian masters that I've ever met, tuning is the crown jewel. And I've, as I say, I've been listening to David Graham's tuning for a long time. And I, I, all I can do is kind of bow my head. I'm, um, you know, there's a certain point where you, where you tune unisons and it just goes to a different place. You, you know, they start to sustain and sing and have what Virgil Smith used to call the angels come out of the piano. Right. <laughs> and that's people misunderstood him all the time. He wasn't talking about voodoo stuff. He was very clear. 
about how to get there. Um, wouldn't you say that that's true, David? Yeah, I think, well, I think the thing that uh, always impressed me the most about Virgil and uh, still has an impact on me today is that he was never satisfied mm. with what he thought a good tuning should be. Yeah. He was always striving for more. And uh, I would, you know, meet different people at different times that would say, oh, I studied with Virgil, you know, at such and such a time. And I would say, oh, really? So, so then what do you think a good tuning is? Or can I hear one of your pianos? I think, and I'd go listen to it. It's like, yeah, that sounds like the way he tuned 10 years ago. He hasn't tuned that way now. And if he was still alive, he would be tuning differently uh, than he did the last time he picked up a tuning hammer because he was constantly striving to make himself better and to, to make the piano better. Oh, so it's like, remember that old golfer named Chichi Rodriguez? He just kept getting older and older and older <laughs> still playing, you know, like <laughs> champion level golf. It's the same thing. If yeah. you're listening, if you're really truly paying attention and you're really truly a nerd and love this for yourself, you're doing this for yourself, for the beauty of it, then you're always getting better. You're never, I'm never satisfied, right? I listen to the recording or the concert or the, the person in the house or wherever it is. And I, and I listen to the tuning and I think, oh man, that's good. But uh, listen to that, see? Not quite that, you know? Yeah. Excuse me a minute, can I go fix that note? Yeah, yeah. one <laughs> note. No, just, no, it's just about a cent, but it's bugging the shit out of me, right? So, excuse me, uh, but uh, as a non-technician, is it, is it fair to say that once you get there, it only like lasts for half an hour? <laughs> well, uh, I, I prefer a good tuning. Half an hour, I don't know. Depends on the conditions, right, Dave? <laughs> That's true. But it's outdoors with Herbie Hancock. Well, there you go. That, Outside now, with now, Herbie Hancock, yeah, yeah, probably half hour. That's about a half hour. It's like a sand painting, brother. You know the Buddhist monks that gather someplace and after four days have this insane painting, then they blow it away. The Same. mandala. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same as the crown jewel of the piano, the tuning. It's it's vaporware after a very short period of time. It's uh, awesome, but it can hold. The, the 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 the. Tell me if you think this is right, David. The foundations of it, that stability of it, holds. Maybe the that pure yeah. almost crazy purity of a freshly tuned piano goes away a little bit but that the, the foundation of it doesn't go away right and uh and you will and you will hear when it's gone too far because suddenly the piano loses its life and its projection the sustain uh, 
Yes, and, and it is like all of a sudden the note just dies That's or it right. goes behind you or some other strange place, but it's not like going out there. No. Uh, but, but even when the piano starts to fall off, the, the base of the tuning isn't really changing. Uh, right. and, and so a musician should still be able to sit down at the piano and make something beautiful, even on a piano that's not perfect. Because, Ideally in tune, yes, that's right. Because right. you know, nobody's perfect in, in any, any part of this. The instrument's not perfect, the player's not perfect, the tuner's not perfect, the tuning's not perfect. Right. Uh, but you can still have a very beautiful result. And that's oh, no you know, what you have to, how you have to like live with the tension there. Well, you can't be on the perfection grid. You have to understand that you will never satisfy yourself. Nobody in any domain that's, it's a constantly teaching and learning experience. Nobody's ever satisfied that really is in love with it. You know, have you ever been like completely? Yeah. I would never change this ever. This is the best. <laughs> You know, I've never, I've never experienced no. that in piano tuning or voicing or regulation or anything. It's always like, you know, you can't get perfect. We're, right. I don't, I don't think we're capable of it. But I, I, I want to change. I want to change and talk to Thomas for a little while. Thomas, changing most disorienting time in the business of selling pianos over the past, let's say 15 years, as any time post World War II. So tell me how a high-end piano seller navigated from 2004 through the great Holocaust of pianos in eight and nine and 10, through you know the boom and then COVID, uh, and here you are in your hundred seat auditorium with one of the greatest piano techniques in the world <laughs> and a store full of awesome, you know, pianos. Sure. Talk to us. Um, well, that's, uh, that's an interesting question, uh, and, uh, and a tough one to answer simply, but I, I, maybe the first thing I would say is that I, never experienced the good days. Uh, 2004 was already four years into the downfall, if you like, of, uh, or, the, or the down curve of the piano market in the US. New pianos were already uh, uh, becoming very difficult to sell. So I, I never really had to deal with the luxury of sitting at my desk and people just walking in uh, desperately wanting to buy a piano. <laughs> uh, so I think that set me up for uh, a lot of caution. And uh, um, I think there's a lot of other things that uh, through luck set me up for caution. Uh, you you might have noticed the, the bit in my 
uh, resume that says I was uh, nearly 20 years in banking. <laughs> uh, so I, I spent a lot of time uh, analyzing companies and balance sheets and, and sort of knowing what the, what the risky situations are. Uh, so, uh, you know, not having a lot of debt would be one of them. Uh, not having a lot of inventory, although you already made the joke that uh, I was sitting on a lot of inventory because it was very high end, but I never actually had too many pianos per se. Right. Uh, and, uh, and just, you know, knowing how to manage uh, uh, overhead and, and cash, those are all extremely important things that uh, maybe have nothing to do with the piano business, but they're, they're very important. So um, we, we grew. So I, I started off with these uh, four Fazioli because I, uh, that was my way into the business. I, I was always in love with music. I always wanted to do something related to music without being a, a concert pianist. And when I discovered Fazioli pianos uh, and, and uh, uncovered the fact that in Chicago, uh, in the whole Midwest, there had never been a Fazioli dealer until 2004. You know, that was sort of my, my chance to, to do something in music. So um, um, that's, that's how I, I started with this very high-end brand. And that actually helped and is still helping us in terms of, uh, you said it yourself, where uh, Pianoforte is a, is a high-end piano dealer. Well, uh, if you actually looked at what we've been doing, you might say we're not that different from other dealers. But we established this idea that we love top quality pianos and, and we care about them and we have them on our stage. And that is an image of quality that does trickle down because we, we want to only present very well-prepared pianos to customers and, and so forth. But when, when it comes to uh, the reality of the piano market and, and you know, certainly the, the first huge uh, depression that we experienced in 2009. Uh, I mean, our sales were were down to a quarter of what they had been, uh, and uh, and I mean, I nearly went broke. But uh, uh, you know, again, with with caution and not too much uh, inventory, um, we we managed through it because you know we had. Uh, upright pianos, we had digital pianos, uh, and um, you can never predict the piano market. You know, one year, one year you're selling grands, and the next year you're selling mostly uprights, and, and you, you don't know why. Nobody tells you why. It's just the way it happens. So if you have too many of one thing and too little of another, you, you get in trouble. Uh, and certainly I was, I was watching a lot of other dealers. And uh, I think one thing I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, uh, David, is that I've, I've always found it fascinating to, 
to visit other dealers and see the store and talk to the owners. And very often they'd be a little bit taken aback. I've, frankly, I've even been kicked out of a few dealerships because they go, well, you're a piano dealer. You want to steal information or something. But really, I'm, I'm just curious and interested. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the one thing that, uh, that killed a lot of dealers was that they had too much inventory and that it was financed. Uh, so the best thing I think is to limit your appetite for pianos with, with the amount of cash that you actually have available. And sometimes it's very frustrating because you really want to have a piano, but, but you can't. <laughs> so, oh. um, so, so then, I'll just tell a little side story there. Very early on in my career, I acquired a relatively nice grand piano and uh, I was young and moving around. I didn't have space for it. So uh, the local dealer I was working with in New Jersey, I won't say who, um, they they said they'd store my piano for me for free, you know, just as a favor. And uh, it was actually, it wasn't until a couple of years later when I had space for it and I called them up and I said, I'm ready to take the piano. Oh, we had a liquidation sale. <laughs> uh, you know, your piano, your piano got sold in the liquidation sale. So, yeah. and and that yeah, and that store went wow. bankrupt. I think they opened up another one um, after that, which is kind of a sad sequence of events. But yeah, it's oh, that's bad. Yeah, that 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 kind of thing happens to piano stores because they're over leveraged. So, said right. That's yes. exactly right. Uh, look at the weeding out. I know that you've seen it. I've seen it all over the whole country. The, the great weeding out process of eight, nine, ten, right? And yeah. then the, this, and then this now, even greater weeding out process. Yeah, and I actually, I, uh, sorry, but I, I, I don't know if, uh, if you as a, as a group know these numbers, but uh, uh, if, you, if you're here, brother. Because we need to know. We need to know. <laughs> if you look at the, uh, the numbers from uh, the music trades in terms of uh, new pianos that are being sold, uh, the, the turning point was the year 2000. Uh, 1999 was, was the most new pianos ever sold in the U.S. Uh, and, uh, and then... It started going down, and then it kind of had a big drop in in two thousand eight and nine, and uh, and now we're at about one quarter of new pianos being sold compared to the year two thousand. So logically, if most piano stores were selling new pianos, uh, then uh, three out of four stores should be out of business. And uh, if I look around Chicago, it's not too far from, yeah, from the close. reality. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Same with know, we certainly, we certainly Same had with 12, 15 stores when I started. And, yep. and I'd say now we're, we're at five, six yep. active. You know, there's a few that are, that are still sleeping yeah. and just waiting to retire when the time comes. But they're not busy. So... Thomas and David both. This is a question and a subject that I'm accused of harping on. And, you know, that 
People get tired of me hearing this, tired of hearing me say this. The business is going to the high end. The, what, the data points you just brought, Thomas, which is the reason you, you people are on this stage and we're talking to you because we as professionals need to know what's going on so that we can adequately educate ourselves and our protégés about what's actually going on in the business. And what's actually going on for piano technicians is they, with the most skills, wins. There's just no question. It's going in your realm. That's where the piano business is going to go, I, I believe. So I want this cohort of beautiful piano technicians to really understand these are the dealers that you want to gather to and really respect and feel like collegial with because man we are not on a different side here and i really that's an old deeply eroded thing yeah these dealers blah 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 <laughs> wine and bitch no no these um, guys are the good guys so I would like you, David, to talk about when you met Mr. Zals, sirs, and uh, sure, you know, road a little bit of that story. Yeah. So, uh, so what happened was um, in my position at NIU, Northern Illinois University, I was uh, that particular day. Uh, teaching a new faculty member how to tune a harpsichord because she wanted to start a uh, early music ensemble and she knew I was pretty busy. So she wanted to be able to tune the instrument herself. So we set up a series of lessons so she could learn. And right in the middle of the lesson, my phone rang and it was this phone number I didn't recognize. And I thought, well, it could be, you know, something related to a concert. So hang on a second. And this guy says, hi, I'm Thomas Zells, and I'm opening a new piano store in Chicago selling only Fazioli pianos. And I've been asking around and um, your name keeps coming up. So um, how would you like to work on Fazioli? <laughs> and so I picked myself up off the floor <laughs> and I said, I think I like that very much. I said, no, you have to understand, I've seen one Fazioli in my life to that yeah. point. And um, at a convention, I think. Yeah. And um, so uh, that was really all I knew, but it, was, it had left quite an impression on me as they tend to do. Uh, and so, so yeah, so then I go home and I say, so this guy called me today and he wants me to, work with them in the store. And my wife says, but you don't like working for dealers and you don't like working in stores. I said, I think this might be a little different situation. Yeah, and I, I think, think so. I need to check this out and, you know, give it a whirl. And she's like, but you're already too busy. And I was like, I know that, but some <laughs> of what I'm too busy at is stuff I would kind of like to not be doing. So yeah. if I could replace 
the stuff I don't want to do with this, well, then that sort of instantly <laughs> raises the, you know, the whole level of everything. And so that's how it started. And um, because I was an employee at a state university, um, I mean, I think this would have happened in any case, but, but it, it sort of necessitated that I was not going to be an employee of Pianoforte Chicago, that Thomas and I would describe what we do as working alongside each other. We work yeah. with, I don't work for, you know. And so then that gave me uh, a little bit of freedom to recommend uh, pianos that I would work on here uh, and, you know, in a situation. And, and I wasn't going to get a, any money out of it. It wasn't, so there you know, wasn't anything and it wasn't connected by a paycheck. So um, you were an independent uh, contractor. I was an independent contractor, still am. And um, so, uh, so that way it gave me the independence to say what I thought about a piano. And, uh, and over the years, um, that's worked out pretty well for, <laughs> for a number of institutions, but, and for Thomas and for me, because I get to work on these pianos. Um, but that's how it all started with, with a, a phone call. We think we had actually met at a PTG meeting uh, prior to that, but uh, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, and didn't really know, didn't even talk much. So let wow. me tell you a little bit about David Graham. <laughs> um, so, so first of all, um, uh, maybe I, I can go step back a little bit before I, I get to that point. Uh, which is that I, I guess I'm, I am not really a piano dealer. Like you talk about piano dealers, like they're, they're a thing, but, but uh, uh, I came to this very late in life. Uh, I, had, uh, I had done a few things before and uh, I, I really knew absolutely nothing about selling a piano, uh, about what's inside a piano, um, you know, about marketing pianos. I, I knew zero. Uh, I came from a, a, a place where I had this dream of working somehow in a musical field without being a musician. Uh, and I had spent a couple of years very young working for agencies in Europe uh, where we represented some famous classical musicians. And it was fun but I could never really make a living at it. Uh, and uh, uh, then, you know, I went into banking because it was a paycheck. It was, it was uh, an interesting line of work, but it was certainly not something that I loved. Uh, and then as, as the career went on and I knew that sooner or later I would be, you know, cast aside as, as a, uh, People in, in large companies tend to be uh, long before it's time for retirement. I, uh, I got more and more eager to find a, a way away from it. So, so that's when uh, this discovery happened of uh, Fazioli's and, and I fell in love with the instruments and, and I realized that nobody in Chicago or the Midwest represented them. 
And uh, after a, a cold call uh, where I flew to Venice uh, on, a, on a cold Saturday morning in, in December, uh, uh, Paolo picked me up at the train station, took me to his office. The factory was closed and we sat down and we just started to talk. Uh, well, four hours later, he jumped up and he said, well, you know, uh, so you'd have no experience, but if you want to do this, just go ahead, do it. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and so that's, you know, really how I started with, with no knowledge and these, these four very expensive Fazioli's arrived, uh, uh, in late March of 2004. And uh, um, so in preparation of this, uh, so I, I met Paolo December 6th uh, and the pianos arrived in March. But before December 6th, I started to, I joined PTG uh, and, and this is maybe partly why I'm here because PTG has always been very important to me. Can't totally well, the Chicago why. chapter is also an incredible PTG chapter. Yes, and and they the they started uh, a program called the Gift of Pianos, which I I ran for a number of years, and wow. so that got me more involved. Um, but in any case, I started. I joined PTG, and I started going to the monthly meetings. And I would just, you know, sit in the back and observe and, and kind of figure out what kind of people these were, these piano technicians. And I, I have to say, you're fascinating people uh, because you're all so different and, and you have such disparate talents. Uh, and, and, you know, some of you have, have uh, some very sharp, talents in some areas and not in others. And then some of you are like David Graham who can just do everything. And, and so what I, I'll try to explain what I mean. <laughs> so, so uh, yes, he can, he can tune and according to David Anderson pretty well, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily know. Uh, uh, well, I can tell, but, uh, but uh, David Graham has uh, real uh, people talent, uh, which is not something that is totally usual among piano technicians. So he knows his customers. He knows uh, what they're interested in, what kind of music they play, uh, what they do outside of music. Uh, it's just this incredible curiosity in in uh, all life matters that that he has that I think give him a much broader view of what he's doing and what role he plays with the people he's interacting with. So, um, so I think that's, that's where, you know, from the get go, it became a partnership and, and you did explain how, uh, you know, you were in a position where you could recommend things, but I think it's, it's more than that. You're, you're always thinking about what it is that would put your customer in a better place uh, yeah. to pursue their, their um, pianistic uh, desires. Oh. And uh, 
And so, you know, that, uh, that has really turned David into um, a better salesperson than I am. Because um, I, frankly, I'm, I'm not actually a very good salesperson. Uh, um, I tend to be too, too direct and too honest, <laughs> I think. But, uh, um, I think. but also customers have a, a, a real dislike of piano dealers. Maybe uh, that's kind of how you use the word earlier uh, in a slightly negative way. Uh, but I feel it. I feel like it doesn't matter what I say, they're not going to believe me. But if it comes from somebody who's not affiliated, who really understands piano and really can talk to somebody, uh, uh, David is also just an incredibly cultured person. You actually read a lot of books <laughs> on a lot of subjects. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that comes through when, uh, when, when you talk to people. And uh, so, uh, that's so very important. I, yes, it's, it, it's, it's, it's perhaps the most important thing. I'm going to talk, to, talk about it a little bit. In every class I've ever taught for the past 16, 17, 18 years, I've said, unequivocally that the high end of the piano community is as much relationship skills and how you show up your internal atmosphere when you show up and hit the room this is malcolm gladwell wrote a vast bestseller based on this this notion that People make a decision within 10 or 15 seconds, whether to be open to you or to, <coughs> excuse me, keep a mask up. And David is one of those people who just knows that the biggest atmosphere internally wins, the biggest context wins. And so he shows up as a happy camper. I'm speculating. Uh, huge percentage of the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Because of that, there's the whole wall of trust and defensiveness is gone because of how he shows up. And then there's all these massive skills that people can, can humans are pretty perceptive. They can deduct when somebody really knows what they're doing. They know about it. So that's, like a, a priceless combination, right? Oh. That's what I say. That's, that's, it's a huge key to success in this, if you've got the chops. It's, a, it's all true. Uh, now, now, there's another element that I can tell you maybe as a, as a dealer that's very important uh, about piano technicians. Um, uh, well, the first thing is that they all have to ride bicycles because yes. I think most yeah, technicians who yeah, work for well. us ride bicycles. <laughs> you, you're uh, disappointed in me then. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was a recumbent bike in my <laughs> office. What about what about tricycles? Uh, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a, there's actually a Ben Truehaft is kind of a yeah. infamous uh, oh. piano technician I knew from New York, and then he ended up moving oh, yeah. to. Uh, 
Send a piano to Havana. Send a piano to Havana. But he's, yeah. uh, he's a very quirky character, and he was known for riding around downtown Manhattan on his tricycle with his tools in the little basket on the back. <laughs> Actually, we, we have a local uh, uh, pianist and professor who rides around town in a, in a reclining bike that looks like a carrot, uh, like an orange uh, a Dutch. Velomobile. Yeah, it's um, very fast. Yes. And he has a big pianoforte logo on the side. Oh my God! <laughs> so that, that was like not my Meyer Wiener truck. <laughs> hey Ethan, are there questions? Um, we got a couple things that... brewing, just a little bit. Oh, okay, but, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I just wanted to make one point, um, uh, which for a dealer working with technicians is very important. Ah, yes, please. And that uh, and that David uh, uh, brings to the table, and that is that. David knows all of the inventory here. And even though uh, uh, he now spends less time working uh, uh, for, for us in general, but in particular uh, working on the, on the lower end pianos, uh, we have other technicians do that. Um, he, he knows where every piano is. And, and here's really the, the, the crux is that Sometimes I notice David will spend 15 minutes at a piano and, and he walks away from it and it sounds better. Uh, and, uh, um, and I think the, the concept is that whenever he touches a piano, it will always sound better. And I've seen technicians spend two hours tuning and regulating and doing all this stuff, wonderful things uh, so that it's just the way it's supposed to be. And then I go to the piano and it sounds exactly the way it did before. And yeah. that is, that should not be your goal. <laughs> your no. goal should be, it should sound, I don't care what it is, but it should sound better. Right. That's exactly right. All my crucial mentors said the same thing. And that's what I've called for years, the superpower of an artisanal piano technician. It's a superpower, man. And all the good ones have it. You've, when you've gotten out of your head enough to really understand the beauty of your body to do this work, that it's a neck down event. It's not a neck up event. And David Graham has embodied this. And so that he's a piano healer, a piano whisperer whatever you want to say. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true. Think about it. I can do it. There's a small percentage of people in this craft that can do that, could just walk up and say, oh, well, let me do this. And it sounds better. It's a psychoacoustic illusion. It's some weird thing. It's magic. It's a well, superpower. You know, David, Virgil used to say that in everything – you would, when you would approach the piano, it would be like um, you were peeling layers off an onion. And uh, Virgil, at his heart, was still a farm boy from Iowa. And, <laughs> and he had peeled a lot of, of onions in his, in his early days. And he's like, you know, like, you never, you're, if you take, if you see what's wrong on the surface right. and you take care of that, then okay then that's, that's something good. 
And then if you have more time, well, then you can peel another layer off, right? And so that's part of that striving to make the piano as good as it can. Right. But you don't always have days to work on a piano. No, you might don't. have 15 minutes um, or, you know, or, you know, however much time you have. Um, it, it has to be adequate that you don't, like, screw something up. Uh, because you can do that too if you just you change something and then don't check it because when you change one thing uh, on the piano it affects so many other things uh, early on in my days at northern i had a very powerful lesson in this because i leveled the keys on a on a steinway concert grand which needed to be done and then but that's all i did I just put the piano back together and the head of the piano faculty at the time walked in and he hated the piano. And, uh, and I was like pretty well crushed. Um, <laughs> he was pretty cool and, uh, or could be, but he was right. And so I learned is like, like Thomas said, you, you can, you can spend hours doing correct work and then the piano is no better. That's right. Or, or maybe even a perception of not as good. And maybe not as a good. little bit more touch weight or something. It's like the most depressing thing in the world. I, I forgot all about that. At the beginning of my so-called high-end career, I used to do that, man. Work yeah, well, my ass off on the piano and then... Oh, geez, well, I mean, you, you can do all the, the 76 steps or how many there are from Yamaha. Uh, on a piano and, and you know we're we're going through watching these uh, videos and wow. i mean it's it's i i admire your patience in in doing this kind of work uh but you you certainly can't possibly do this on every piano you can't this has uh, come up with uh, sally phillips and some of our uh lectures especially piano technicians masterclass content um you know, she works on concert work and well, first of all, just saying, don't, don't do anything without asking the, the player or whoever you're serving, whether they want it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and just make sure the things that you're doing are, are making the biggest difference, especially when you're limited on time, which she is, you know, in concert work. David and I were talking about this actually before we got started. He's always bringing up this, you know, asking people how many, how many technicians, what percent or you know, kind of have the magical abilities. And this brought up the Pareto principle, which um, I don't know if anyone's, I know David hadn't heard of it previously, but it's this sort of 80-20 rule that, you know, 20% of the inputs in so many different systems are responsible for 80% of the output. And so in the case of piano work, I can see, you know, asking yourself, especially if you're limited on time, what's the 20% of things? Like, here's all these things that I can do. What are the 20% of things that I can do right now that will actually produce 80% of the results? You'd agree with that, right, Dev? Graham? Uh, yes, because, you know, there's always going to be some constraint on time or money or, or, or the piano itself. You know, yeah. it, 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 again, the, we're not dealing with something that is perfect and we're try trying to restore its perfection. It, it's a very imperfect device for translating what is in somebody's head 
into somebody else's head. <laughs> so, exactly so right. what's in their head needs to come out in sound that then another, you know, they or another person will hear. And, and all of this mechanical stuff has to just be the vehicle that they used for that to happen. So, oh. so then when you're like thinking of it that way, then it's not uh, just the series of steps, but what's the purpose of the series of steps. Oh, right. And then, and then in this particular situation, this particular piano, how can I help it? And well, then, then how can I trust my body, my whole unit to feel things and feel like what difference, what differentiates me from the artist in terms of my sensitivity of the feeling of my fingertips? Nothing. So does it feel yeah. good to you? Just the speed. <laughs> huh? Just, Just the, the speed. speed. Yeah, and the intelligence. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but the feel is there, man. The feel is there. And you develop it. You allow your body to learn every single time you do it. You don't sit and constantly critique and, you know, play by play yourself. You get in the work. So uh, that's an excellent point, David. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Uh, I would love to just, we've got about 10 minutes out. So I've run by yeah. pretty quickly. So it's really yeah. great to, really great to have you guys and talk about what we're talking about. Let me hit, hit the uh, chat here a little bit. And yeah, see please. What's coming up. Um, I'll read a few, someone we can get in on and let me just get a few of them out there. Um, trying to do what's right for the customer. This is a quick question. You don't have to elaborate too much, but I'm guessing I know the answer. I don't know. Do you ever, ever recommend, you know, when trying to do what's right for the customer, buying another brand from someone else? <laughs> well, I'm saying a no. Um, saying a no. <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, um, I think customers can be, very unreasonable people uh, sometimes. And uh, uh, the most important thing is to uh, have a, a, an unwavering moral compass uh, uh, within what we do. And so, um, you know, I, I think the idea of, of buying a brand that we don't represent just to make a sale uh, completely goes against my grain uh, because I would only want to sell something that I believe in, that I trust, that I know. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see that as being something that could ever happen. Or am cool. I misunderstanding? Okay, but well, answer, so, no. No, so, so I'm thinking of another way to look at it too. Is that uh, because the situation just happened? Um, a client of mine has uh, sort of uh, in retirement really taken to playing the piano a lot. And uh, so his very nice upright was just no longer up to the task. And uh, so he told me that he wanted to buy a used Steinway. That was how he put it. And uh, so at the time he told me that, uh, I think Thomas had like one on the floor. But then a whole number of them came in 
including one that I thought would fit his criteria. And uh, so he came down here and he had a great time. He said, oh, I want to buy a piano from Piano Forte. I'm like, great. He says, well, so now I actually like two pianos there and I'm trying to decide between the two. Said, okay, well, that's, that's fine. You go back and play them again and you know, you'll figure it out. Uh, but then in the meantime, somebody that he knew uh, 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 said, hey, I'm working at a piano store up in Madison and um, why don't you just come check out our pianos? And so I get this email, Dave, I have a problem because I really want to buy a piano from Thomas, but I went up to uh, this store and I found this piano and it, it's spoke to my soul were literally his words. And I said, Terry, you can't argue with that. You're in love with that piano. You should buy that piano. Sure. And, uh, and, and he had me go up to make sure that it was fine and it was. And, um, and they had two and, and they were like, you know, either one, you know, they didn't really care. And, um, but there was a clear difference uh, in the sound of the piano. And uh, so, you know, in that case, it didn't result in a sale here. Uh, but Thomas and I talked about it and it was like, well, you know, when you have that moment, where you just suddenly fall in love with a particular piano. You can't fight it. You can't fight it. And in fact, I used to warn my clients so if they were going to come down here, uh, that they had to be careful if they played a Fazioli because if they fell in love with the Fazioli, <laughs> they were stuck uh, because true. there isn't anything like it. And so, uh, you know, that's, I, I mm. think, uh, you know, sometimes you have to let sales go, but but then, well, and and uh, and uh, on the on the opposite side of the spectrum, there are there are customers that are so disagreeable to deal with. Terry was a delight uh, that you know sometimes it's better just to to let the bad vibes walk out the door, and it's really oh, not worth the sale. No uh, no I question. mean, it's yeah, it's only money. <laughs> it's it's you know. I just, I, I, I just want to say, maybe that I'm stepping way out. Ethan, we should have a part two. These guys are. <laughs> oh dear. I, I haven't shown I, you my videos. I have so many more questions. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> There's so much more history. They had stuff prepared, uh, prepared to show us too. Yeah, we will run, well, run out of time for there. So yeah, much, yeah. So much stuff that we can learn in this shrunken, awesome little business and. By the way, Thomas, you have full status piano nerd status now. If there was ever a question, <laughs> there's no question. No ever. question. <laughs> Mr. Banker, Mr. Whatever you were, now you're full time. We own you. One of those quirky libertarian, well, weird, bohemian piano technicians. Kind of guys. You'll, you'll, you'll have to celebrate August 1st. It's the Swiss National Day with me. There oh, you go. Is there a sense yeah. of uh, a day of weirdness. Do or a song or something? <laughs> Sorry? Is it like a song just, thing or something? I just, I just oh. want these two men to commit to me on air that they're going to come back and do another one of these in the relative if you like. future. Sure. Graham? Nice. Uh, yeah. 
we can learn so much more from these two. Uh, are we really out of time? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, three we minutes. Are. We got three we minutes. Out of time, brother. Let me give. Let me get a little bit of um, wrap up to folks. We put some links in the chat. Um, yeah. We're doing some special new stuff. So there's multiple links you'll find there in the chat. Uh, one is we're going to do a live stream on Wednesday evening. We did one last Wednesday. We watched the th first 30 minutes of Boaz Kirschenbaum's uh, lecture on voicing. So we're going to watch the second 30 minutes, minutes 30 to 60 oh, together yeah. online. Um, and you can register for that. It's free for people who are um, supporting us uh, at $8 a month. Or you can pay one time. Any Piano Technicians Masterclass subscriber um, can join that for free. And we're going to put the review link in there as well. So if you guys could just give us some feedback, it really helps us improve week by week. And we also are ahead of the game. Uh, we're going to have, uh, gosh, I think it's Eric Johnson next. I think he's next week. Yeah, um, so uh, you can register for that already. We put that link in the chat. So Ian, if you could add those links one more time so people can check them out. Um, those are all there. Make sure you uh, get on board with it. You want to. And uh, I, yeah, I think David and Thomas, definitely we want to have you have you back. So we'll chat offline about when and how that happens. And we can nail down an agenda. If you have something special, you definitely want to put out there. <laughs> you know, I'm a, as a, as a former banker, I, I had a whole presentation ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was, this was a huge and deep insight into so many of the things that I've been saying for so many years about the, uh, the, the, the ideal kind of relationship between, between craftsman and dealer, craftsperson and dealer. It's, it's so instructive and so valuable. I just want to thank you. I want to thank the whole support staff of Piano Tech Radio Hour. It's fabulous. Ethan, you are, again, the best partner in the world. Thank you so much. Ah, you too. You too, man. It's great to have you here. Yeah, and I'll mention the people that we have um, helping us behind the scenes. We have Pooja and Ian and, and Tal and Mikulai and someone new, Thagun, is on board. Um, we also have Pat and Daniel and Sarah. Um, oh. The podcast is actually, we're going to launch the podcast officially this uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I think. So we'll send out a message about that. You can start to listen to these while you're driving around in your car and stuff. Oh, that's good. Um, and uh, uh, also, I, I, I'd like to make a shout out to Jeremy Whetstone, who's our engineer, oh, who uh, put, put all this together and the lights yeah. and the sound. And so <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeremy. And he, he would have happily played the videos, too. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we talked to you, Thomas, and, and we'll see if we can arrange for this. We talked about maybe having a pianist come on to use yes. the studio and do something interesting, a pianist who's interested in technology. We'd love it. We do live streaming from this stage uh, all the time. Yeah, so that'll be awesome. All right, then. Okay. Um, let me see. Let them know that his shop in Chile was inspired by Pianoforte Chicago. Oh, oh uh, Jorge uh, Gonzalez of Chile, his shop in great. Chile is inspired by you. He just wanted to let you know. The, <laughs> cool. the nerd community, global nerd community, ladies. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, I'll, uh, All I'll, right. I'll knock us off the social networks. David, um, actually, I can make sure you leave the Zencaster open so we can grab that audio. Uh, Jeremy, I'll be in touch with you to get the audio from your end as well. 
And thanks to our whole piano community, you people that show up every week are just dear to us. Definitely. Dear to us. Thank you Definitely. so much. Great to have you here. All right. So, we'll, you know, we'll wrap it up slowly here. I'll get off the, uh, All right. the streaming online first, but uh, you can visit those links in the chat if you need to catch them. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Mr. Soltz, it's a pleasure to meet you and let's, uh, let's keep talking. Beautiful. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much for doing this. Graham, it's, uh, you know, you're one of my favorite human beings, dude. What can I tell you? Wow. Thank you very much. All right. See you gentlemen later. See all right. y'all later. I'll, I'll end the session. Right. We'll catch you guys later. You can visit those links in the chat if you need to catch them. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Mr. Soltz, it's a pleasure to meet you and let's, uh, Let's keep talking. Beautiful. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much for doing this. Graham, it's, uh, you know, you're one of my favorite human beings, dude. What can I tell you? Wow. Thank you very much. All right. See you gentlemen later. See all, right. all y'all later. I'll end the session. Catch you guys later. Thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time. Remember that you can catch us live online every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right. Go to pianotechradio.com to register so you can interact live and ask questions of our guests. See you next week.